At this time, we have the opportunity to be able to come before the Lord with our tithes and offerings. If you would, remember as on your way out, the basket will be there at the back table. And for those of you who are online, uh, you can text to give or there's a Q, uh, QR code that you're able to give, uh, give there too. So consider that um, before our service ends today. Why don't we start off in prayer for our service and our time of worship. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come together today to worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for this time that we have that we're able to praise your name and to live a life of worship. Father, I pray that throughout the week that we remember to be thankful to you, to worship you, and to praise your name. Father, the gifts and the tithes that we're about to give, I I just pray that that you use them for your glory, Father, that that we are able to, to, to help build your kingdom, Father. And I pray that in every way, when we're out in the community, we're speaking of you, we're acting as if we belong to you. And that we are living a life that points back to you in order to help build your kingdom. Father, bless our church as we grow. Give us that ability to be able to, to move into the West End and to, to reach that neighborhood and proclaim your goodness and your mercy. And Father, I pray for today's sermon. I pray that you would give me wisdom and discernment, that you would give me the ability to be able to think well and to speak well. And I pray that everyone's hearts here would be receptive to the word that you would have them to hear. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Oh, Father, also, for those that are ill, for those that are sick now, and that are not in our presence, Father, Father please heal, heal them. Please help them to get well. Help them to feel your presence and throughout this time. But, Father, heal them quickly so they can return to your service. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, y'all, I am so happy to be here with you today. For those of you visiting, my name is Scott Stevens, and I am the counseling pastor here at Pendleton Church. Um, it's my honor to be able to be preaching this lesson today. Uh, just recently, I was reading an article about Charles Spurgeon, who may be one of my favorite pastors. Now, Charles Spurgeon was a, was a pastor in the mid-1800s and actually started preaching when he was a teenager. Just an absolutely amazing man. He was a pastor who got straight to the point in his sermons. He's one who really never beat around the bush when he was trying to make a point. And there was a quote that I really appreciate that he made on one of his sermons or during one of his sermons on Acts twenty six twenty eight. He stated, almost persuaded to be a Christian is like the man who was almost pardoned, but he was hanged. Like the man who was almost rescued, but he was burned in the house. A man that is almost saved is lost. Now, I said that this was a quote. The last word he, he, I changed up just a little bit because uh, he, he makes it a little bit more, uh, more condemning. But I mentioned this quote because I think it gets straight to the point of what I want to speak about today, and that's 
God's amazing grace and our need to be overwhelmingly thankful to him for it. Many times the cares of the day and the things of this life take precedence over the most important things. If you're like me, you tend to forget that Almighty God shows us amazing grace every day. Like anything that we experience a lot, because he has always shown us this grace, it's in our nature that we tend to take it for granted. I believe that the greatest grace that he has ever shown us is explained in John, C, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I've spoken to many a person who dismisses this act of grace from God thinking that they will always have the opportunity to acknowledge it at some other time. As Spurgeon said, almost persuaded is like almost being pardoned and still being hung the next day. This brings us to our scripture references for today's sermon. The first part is in Psalm 121, 5 through 8, and this pertains to God's grace. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And then Colossians 3.15 through 17, and this pertains to thankfulness. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the mercy, for the grace that you always show us, and thank you so much for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this message that we have today from your word. And I pray that we utilize it in a way that we always bring thankfulness back to you. That we always acknowledge you for everything that we have. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, I want you to take just a minute and think of something that you're thankful for. Go ahead real quickly. I'll, I'll wait. Okay. As you know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And it's a shame that it takes a national holiday for most of us to take the time to consider what we're thankful for. Holiday television shows are getting ready to start up. And, you know, they will inevitably 
have a scene where friends and family are sitting around the table and one person will say, why don't we all take turns saying what we're thankful for? And maybe your family does this too. I think it's a great tradition. But normally the answers are, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my friends, for my home, for my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. You get the gist of it. Now, I'm not criticizing these answers because I bet when I asked you to think of something, one of those might have been what you thought of. And that's good. All of these things are good things. They're gifts that God gives us. But these are not necessarily the most important things. And I wonder how many times that when we're answering the question, what are we thankful for? Do we remember all of the good gifts that God has given us? Everything that has been given to us has been given to, God, given to us by God. Oregon read this verse in James. James 1.17 tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming to us from the Father of lights. And I think that it's important for us to consider that some of the gifts that we tend to take for granted... And these are all examples of God's grace to us. Of course, we just talked about this a minute ago. One of the most wonderful gifts and signs of God's grace toward us is that he communicates with us. He gives us his word. He gives us the Bible. And the Bible helps us to understand how to live a life that brings honor and glory to him. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out from God, or by God and is profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God, the Holy Spirit, prompted and inspired the human authors of scripture so that they would write the exact words that he desired for them to write. And the words of Scripture penned out by human authors are the very words of God himself. And as inspired by God, the Bible is completely free from error and serves as the inerrant, infallible, and final rule for faith and life. The Bible speaks with complete authority on every matter it addresses. And the central character of the story of the Bible is Jesus Christ. And its central theme is the story of grace. What an amazing gift we've been given. So as we read earlier, James tells us that every good gift comes from God. And God's word makes that clear. Our families, our finances, our friends, our homes, our possessions, our jobs, our talents, our intelligence, our health. There's nothing that we have that has not been given to us by God. And this is all given to us because of God's grace and mercy towards us. The Bible tells us that God provides us with spiritual gifts, 
too. Paul tells us in the letters that he wrote to both uh, to the Romans, to the Corinthians, and to the Ephesians that some of us are given the gift of administration, others the gift of encouragement, the gift of teaching, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the gift of being a pastor or elder, the gift of service, the gift of discernment and wisdom. And these are just some of the gifts that God gives to us every day. In his letters to the Galatians, Paul tells us of the fruit of the Spirit which is given to us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not in our nature to love and to be kind to others, to have joy and peace, or to exercise patience, faithfulness, or gentleness to the extent that we should. It is only through the help of the Holy Spirit that we are able to practice these attributes. And it's because of God's grace that we're able to love others the way that, lo- that God requires us to. We're able to seek peace with one another and restore relationships that have been broken. A wife can forgive her husband for his neglect. By God's grace, we can lovingly pursue rebellious children with patience and love. And we can care for parents in their old age with tender, loving mercy, honoring them as we are commanded. Loretta and I have a dear friend who exemplifies what I'm trying to share about, the, about God and the abilities that he gives us through his gifts and grace. Throughout her life, this friend grew up in a home of verbal and mental abuse from her father. He was very manipulative. He was controlling. He just, the circumstances that she was in were just absolutely horrible. Her childhood into her years as a young woman, throughout that time, her father acted horribly towards her, yelling at her, screaming at her, berating her constantly. It left her with a number of emotional scars that continue on to this day. She married a fine man and left her father's home. They had children of their own and have, many, have had many wonderful years together. But about five to ten years ago, ten years ago, her father became ill, and she began to care for her father from afar, but eventually found that that was not really doing what it needed to do. It was a, impossible for her to care for him appropriately. So not long after, they moved her father into their home, and they began to provide direct care for him 24 hours a day. Now, they didn't have a bedroom on the main level of their home, so the husband offered to renovate his office in order to make a bedroom for her father. Now, her father had not changed. Even in her home as she was caring for him, he was demanding, he was critical, he was abusive. He would regularly yell and berate uh, berate her. He rarely showed appreciation for the care that he was given. He was, even as she bathed him, 
as she changed his diaper, as she cooked for him and cleaned up after him, he continued his abuse. He would wake up in the middle of the night and yell her name, waking the entire family until she came and she waited on him. She would cook and he would complain about the food. Nothing was ever good enough and she could not do enough for him. This went on for a few years, yet through God's grace, she was able to show love for him and care for him until he died. Of course, she had times of frustration. She had times of anger. She had times that she was weeping over the circumstance. But God empowered her to glorify him by loving and caring for her earthly father. She glorified him by serving God and serving her father. He gave her the patience and love, the kindness, goodness, and gentleness, and the peace, faith, and joy that she needed so that she could live through this circumstance. She was also a trained nurse, so he provided her with the intelligence, the training, the personality that she would need to provide him for his health needs. And most importantly, he provided her with the hope that her gracious God would provide her with all that she needed to complete this task. We all have this in the circumstances that we need. This was a gift from God that we all have, the ability to love the unlovely, the ability to care for those who treat us in harmful ways. And she did it, and we should do it because we love God. Jesus and we want to be obedient to him just as this friend wanted to be obedient to Jesus now in return the Holy Spirit gave her the ability to be able to act in loving and caring way towards her father and from a worldly standard he didn't really deserve it did he did he God's grace enables us to do things enabled her but enables all of us to do things that are beyond our abilities God empowers us to be obedient to him and despite all of the circumstances that she went through and all the circumstances that we go through in this sinful world we can have the attitude we can have love and the caring that's necessary for us to be obedient to God. Because of our friend's obedience, think about how much she grew in her reliance on God. How much she grew in her faith and how much she learned to love others as well as to learn or learn to love God. What an amazing opportunity this was. And here's another consideration as she was caring for her father. Think of the witness that she had on him of God's love and mercy as she provided care for him. She was obedient to God's call to honor her father, but also to share the love of Christ with him.
Now, here's something that's interesting that I haven't really considered a whole lot. But this is another sign of God's grace and provision. One thing that I don't think we consider is that the time that we have, the place where we live, and the time that we live is a gift to us that is determined by God. Acts 17.26 tells us that God has made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and that he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. When we live, where we live, how long we live is a gift given to us by God. So as we consider this passage that I read from James earlier, every good gift, everything we have, everything we are is given to us by our almighty creator. God's grace is the way that he shows favor and kindness to all of us. And the grace of God is abounding in that we, he would provide all of this to us. Our almighty creator has not only provided us with everything, but he's also given us his love. We, we referenced this a few minutes ago. We know this because the Bible tells us so. so. John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life with him in heaven. Praise God, what a gift. And this is the greatest gift given to us. And I also believe it's the greatest sign of God's grace shown to mankind. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't deserve his grace, but he gave it to us anyway. Showing us his grace and mercy, Jesus came to this world, lived sinlessly among us, and willingly laid down his life for us. He lived a sinless life, and he suffered a horrible death. And because of his sinless life, God the Father considered him the worthy sacrifice for his people. And Jesus' sacrifice paid the price for the sins of those who follow him. Because of Christ's sacrifice, the sins of those who follow him are paid for. And he has given them the righteousness that only he can provide. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And every day that Jesus obeyed every word of the Father, he earned the righteousness that he gives to every person who has has faith in him. Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And as our substitute, he atoned for our sins. Now, I'm not sure who originally said this, but I love this quote. The atonement that Jesus provided didn't procure God's grace for us. The atonement flowed from 
the grace he has already given us. God does not love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loves us. Because of God's grace, because of his love for us, Jesus became our mediator. He became the go-between who stands between us and God the Father. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 tells us, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been given or you have been saved through faith and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of of God what an amazing gift he has given us theologian John Stott explains this grace well by saying God took his own loving initiative to appease his own righteous anger by bearing its own self by bearing his own self in his own son when he took our place and died for us By virtue of our union with Christ, when we stand before God, we will find that all of our sins are wiped away and we will be found not guilty before God. What amazing peace we have as we stand before God. We know that we're going to stand there blameless because Christ has died for our sins. And that's what I would encourage for any of you who have not accepted Christ as your Savior. Because if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you will stand before God with blame. Once you have accepted the grace of God, the mercy of God through His, Christ, through His Son, Christ Jesus, and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you will stand blameless before God because of the great mercy that Christ has shown us on the cross. We have a lot to be thankful for and based on what we've just discussed we can trace all of the things that we have to be thankful for back to one source and that one source is a loving God who has shown us amazing grace. So how do we show appropriate thankfulness? The first part was God's grace to us and then our need to be thankful to him. 1 Thessalonians says that we're to thank God for everything. It tells us to give thanks to God in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we all know this, but we don't necessarily think of it all the time. We don't necessarily think of it day to day. Now, I, I realize that at times we do think realize God's given good goodness to us his gifts to us in a particular circumstance and we acknowledge it 
I acknowledge it. But do we really acknowledge God for everything in our lives? Are we in constant acknowledgement of God's grace to us? And I think that that's where we need to be. So again, how do we develop that heart of thankfulness? Paul in his letter to the Colossians state states that we are to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts and be thankful. Now, I believe that it is a matter of the heart. When God created us, he created us to be worshipers. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that his people are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own profession or possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our hearts were made to worship God. And the closer we are to God, recognizing his grace to us, the more our hearts respond rightly to God. As a matter of fact, the more our hearts respond rightly to God, the more we will respond rightly to everything in our life. The suffering, the trials, the circumstances that blindside us. The closer that we are to God, the more that we can respond rightly to those. Thankfulness is a part of the worship that we're supposed to show. Paul in his letters to, Roman, to the Romans speaks about the non-Christian who lives in sin and how sin affects his life. He states that even though the non-Christian knows that there is a God because of God's revelation of himself through the creation and through his consciousness, they refuse to thank God or to even acknowledge him. The exact words are that they did not honor him or give him thanks. Unregenerate man is not thankful for God for anything, to God for anything. And sadly, even for those who do our best to acknowledge God and to honor him, sin has corrupted the thoughts and beliefs of our hearts. Sin causes us to believe that God is not as great as he is, that he is less relevant than he should be, and therefore he is less important to the everyday life experience that we have. In essence, we're saying he is less deserving of our worship and less involved in our lives. Sin and the pride that accompanies it makes us think that we are the makers of our own destiny. We worked hard to get what we have. We've trained. We've studied hard to develop our talents and skills. It's us. Our sinful hearts tell us we did this. But at the bottom of all of this, we convince ourselves in our hearts, perhaps not consciously, but we're convinced of it, that we're more important than we really are. Now, God loves us, but we don't place ourselves above God. 
Our hearts focus on what we believe are the important things that we see in this life. And when we see something that we believe is important and we don't have it, it can become a desire that's overwhelming. It becomes something that drives our heart's desires. It can be something as simple as wanting a nicer home or a car, a better job or more money. It's okay, though, if we take the gifts that God's given us. He, he provides us with the wealth that we have. He provides us with the nice things. It's okay to have those things. But if we take the gifts that God has given us and we're not grateful for them, we always want something more. That's a problem with our hearts. That's a problem that we have to deal with. It's a problem when we have such an overwhelming desire for something that we don't have that we grumble and complain about what God has given us. When we grumble about the gifts that God has given us through his grace, we need to recognize that there is a heart problem that needs to be addressed. The sinfulness of this world, the inordinate desires that we have, our lack of thankfulness has affected our heart and ultimately it affects our relationship with God. One of my professors, Jeremy Pierre, said it well when he, he explains how sin affects our heart. He says that the human heart is dulled, it's stupefied, it's made lifeless and made dumb in its spiritual capacities. That's how sin affects us. So is there any doubt as to why we forget to acknowledge that every good thing comes to us as a gift from God? Faith in Jesus gives us the ability to change our heart. Faith and the proper focus on the right relationship with God allows us to imitate the righteous character of Christ so that we too can say, I don't seek my own will, but the will of the Father. Because we recognize that everything comes from God, we have a responsibility to show thankfulness. One of our verses for today that we, we read earlier explains that how we're to do this. Let the peace of Christ rule you in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, what, whether it be in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks now I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you why is it that we don't really adhere to this passage why is it that we don't think about what's being told to us here to give thanks for everything whether it be in word or deed do it all in the name of Jesus everything that we should do is focused on serving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
let's think about it a little bit further. When we think of all that we have, all that we are, and all that we're able to do, why don't we immediately have an overwhelming sense of gratitude to God who loves us more than anyone on this earth will ever love us and has provided us with every perfect and good gift. And I believe it's because of what we talked about about our hearts. I believe our hearts are divided. Our focus is perhaps on ourselves or on the cares of the day. And perhaps we're striving for the things that are important to us and not necessarily those things that are important to God. We are not seeking God and his righteousness first in everything that we do. And I think that that's got to be a focus for us. Out of our thankfulness to God, we have a responsibility to use all of the gifts that God has given us for the glory of the greatest gift that God has ever given us. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 10 states, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed it freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The amazing grace of God. So, if you remember five things from this sermon, these are the five things that I want you to remember Out of thankfulness for God, we have the responsibility to use the gifts that God has given us for the glory of the greatest gift that he has ever given us. What better way to thank him for this greatest gift but to serve him as your Lord and Savior, to obey his word. He says, if you love me, obey my word to be in the scriptures and to understand what the scriptures say about him, about us, and how our relationship is to be. And then take that one step further and mirror that relationship to other people, to love him first with all your heart and to love other people. The second thing, It is by the grace of God that we have everything that we do. Recognize and always be appreciative, but recognize that God is the provider for all that you have, all that you are, and all that you will ever need. Your sufficiency should be complete in Him and everything that He provides to you. Third, be thankful and acknowledge God for everything. Be thankful and focus on what you have and don't dwell on what you don't have. I look at 
properties all the time up in the mountains. And I say, God, you know, I really could minister a lot better if you would give me that piece of property up in the mountains, right? We could have the, the boys and men's camping there. God, for some reason, has not seen fit to give me a piece of property up in the mountains. And that's fine. That's okay. Because if all things work together for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, and then all of these things help me to become more like Jesus Christ, the fact that I don't have that is obviously helping me to be more like Jesus Christ. And I need to be satisfied with that. Realize that it is because of God's grace that you have the most important gift you can ever be given, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we have nothing else, this is more than we deserve. What an amazing thing that we've been given. This life can be hard. We can have trials, we can have tribulations, we can suffer, but this life is short. Eternity with Jesus Christ, that's forever. And we can have that. And as we're with Jesus, as soon as we're in the presence of Jesus, we will look back to this day and not regard it at all. We'll be thankful for what God has taught us through it. But God has brought us into his presence. And that's going to be all that matters. Thankfulness is an attitude of the heart. When you acknowledge that God has given you everything that you have or you will ever need, you can have peace and contentment. The peace and contentment that leads to Christ-likeness is our goal. I have a note on my desk that has the Latin phrase on it, coram Deo. This means before the face of God. And it reminds me to live my entire life as if I'm in the presence of God under the authority of God and for the glory of God. And I believe as we strive to live in the presence of God every day, our thankfulness will overflow. Let's pray. Lord God, we do love you. We do thank you for the mercy, the goodness that you always show us. The gifts, all of the talents, who we are. You have knitted us while we were in the womb together. Together, you've knitted us together while we were in the womb. And Lord God, we praise you for that. We thank you that you know us intimately and you have given us what we need to bring honor and glory to you in our lives. And Father, you have given us the ability to glorify you. Everything that we have is a gift from you. And we, I pray, will acknowledge that every day. God, you have blessed us so abundantly. And as I said before, even if the only gift that we have received is your son Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's more than we deserve. And we praise you for that. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for each and every person here. Thank you for the mercy that you show us. And thank you for your grace. 
In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.